You've tuned in to the Belling Podcast for the week of June 23rd, 2019. This is episode 122. From that summer city by the Salish Sea, I am AJ Barce. And not sticking my toe into the alliteration pool, I am Chris Powell. On this episode, all around this wonderful town, there are lots of people working hard to make this city shine, just like the sun you're seeing up above. You probably pass by these folks in the produce section of the grocery store or are in front of them in line at your favorite coffee shop. People that are making a positive impact on the community, that's what AJ and I keep our eyes out for. We wanted to spotlight one such impact player. So guess what, sports fans? It's interview time. Come listen to the conversation. This, in case you haven't noticed, is the Bellingham Podcast. All around the world, people stand. Hey, I do, Chris. <laughs> Dude, just fine. What song is that? <laughs> that was, you don't have that pop culture no, reference on top of your head? No. That would be Fly by the good old poet Sugar Ray. Mark McGrath? <laughs> Are you busting out an early aughts? I am. I am. Uh, I thought you would catch that. No, it's summertime. No, my musical encyclopedia <laughs> goes from about 1983 to about 1998. After that, I check out and just listen to metal. Yep, that would be the album Floored back in 1997. Anyway, you know, I, I just wanted I, I want to talk about something before we get into our interview. Um, everyone has been asking me, now that we're in the, fully entrenched in the summer season, they're going, Chris, you know, yeah. wh- what are you doing for the summer? Where are you uh-huh. going? Yeah. And I look at them and I'm like... Why would we go anywhere? This is the reason why we live in Bellingham. This beautiful weather, this uh, wonderful breeze and, and, and such. Why would we leave something that is, is so uh, majestic and, uh, pr- uh, and pretty? You know, you know how I answer that? How do you answer it? Where are you going? Bellingham. There you go. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Anyway, we, we are here for the summer, y'all. And we're plowing towards episode 200 little by little. Um, I had an opportunity to uh, sit down and have an interview with Meg Weber, uh, an impact player, if you will, in uh, the, the Whatcom County and, and Bellingham. Meg is an instructor with the Idea Institute at Western Washington University. It's not quite your typical classroom type uh, program. You'll hear about that in our conversation. She's also a current board member of the Pickford Cinema, a place that we love. Hey, Pickford. Hey, Pickford Limelight, too. And uh, former owner, check this out, former owner of an internet access company back around the early 2000s, turn of the millennium or so. An ISP? Something like that. Oh, okay. uh, but there's a very unique story that she's going to be telling. Uh, you know, I, it was rather engaging to hear. Anyway, uh, also former executive director of Tag Northwest, a, a community group here mm-hmm. uh, involving IT professionals. Yeah. Uh, and Meg was also the member of a tech levy committee for the Bellingham School District, uh, that one-to-one project you might have heard about in the news uh, yeah, yeah. in recent years. Um, they, uh, She was part of the crew that helped the Bellingham School District Im- implement convertible laptop tablets for students' coursework. Our daughter yeah. was recipient of one of those uh, in the school, and so that uh, that was a wonderful thing. Obtained her master's in cinema at the University of Iowa and a master's of business administration, that's the MBA for you playing at home, uh, at the University of Rochester. So definitely uh, for the past couple of decades, Meg has been in leadership and instruction. So with that in mind, why don't we go jump straight into the interview with Meg Weber. Well, Meg Weber, thank you very much for joining us on the Bellingham Podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, you have so many things going on in your professional life right now. Let's talk about uh, your work with the Idea Institute at Western. Now, they have an entrepreneurship minor, which is a little bit different than English 101 and Biology 101. Um, I would love to know, how are you enhancing or disrupting your students' 
in their path as they uh, approach an undergrad degree or a, a degree at the university. Oh, I love that term. How are we disrupting? I hadn't thought of that. It's not that's just awesome. sitting in a classroom. <laughs> Y'all are out there doing very unique things. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, that's a great term, disrupting. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I've had the delight of being um, an instructor in the Idea Institute for um, since almost the very beginning. Um, when I came in as what we call a community coach, which are business leaders in our community who come in to support in one-on-one -on -one coaching as well as um, promoting and pitching the pitch days where students are looking for feedback. So if you're interested in being a community coach, we have openings for that and it's a super helpful way to connect our students with real life people so they can see their path forward. We'll put a link to the Idea Institute in our show notes for that great. one. So thank you. No, absolutely. <laughs> a little absolutely. pitch there. Um, so uh, we have a really strong investment in building and developing the knowledge, skills, and abilities of students so that they can be change makers and leaders in our community. So unlike a lot of entrepreneurship programs that are really focused on commercialization or having you go out and start your own business. Uh, we're very focused on helping to build and develop um, young people into people that can make things happen in the world, um, really their edification. And so I read this article recently that talked about how entrepreneurship is in many ways one of the new liberal arts and business arts. And uh, we definitely think of it as that. And often I hear from, so we pull from all areas of the college um, or, or of the university and have students from every college because it's an interdisciplinary minor. And so we report to the provost's office, for example. Um, and so we have the opportunity to connect all those students in what we call a Montessori style classroom. So six quarters show up to the same room every Monday and Wednesday for two years. And then we break off into different sections of about 20 students where we get to work more in depth with them on different concepts. So some of those concepts are leadership development, some of them are developing pretty marketing materials, some of them are financials and how to pitch and just a myriad of concepts there. So really developing both that human side of the affirmation of you can do this, as well as a very high quality standard and expectation of what they're looking to prove, which is, is there something in the world that's needed and are you providing the offering that's relevant to that? So product market fit. And it sounds like you're including a lot, especially in this current age uh, with social justice and yeah. diversity and inclusivity. There's a whole lot of that, especially when you're drawing from different colleges in a higher education institution. Yeah. So that must play a whole lot in some of your curriculum. Yeah, our curriculum is very, very focused on what we actually call a culture of belonging. So uh, diversity and inclusion are sort of the absolute requirements in our opinion of what you need to accomplish and then uh, also within our community we find it very important to think about belonging so you could have a very visually diverse community that doesn't fully ignite conversations that are challenging evocative and inclusive so uh, we work on a culture of belonging because a real entrepreneurial spirit requires um, introverts extroverts you know all different all different sorts of uh 
so speaking as a, a introvert who wears it like a badge on his sleeve, there is room for me in the entrepreneurial there world. There is room for you. There's a lot of room for you. Very cool. So, <laughs> so for those uh, young professionals who may be currently, uh, you know, making their way in the business world or in in their career, um, and may not be able to gain the knowledge uh, that you are providing in the Idea Institute, what are a couple of uh, uh, areas of wisdom from your perspective, what would you want to share with a young urban a young urban professional to help guide their path in a positive way? Well, Chris, I think you're a great epitome of that. So <laughs> one of the one of the things I would really encourage people to work on is a clarity of the questions that they're asking. So clear questions and an open heart to f exploring answers, right? So when you're interested in learning about something, go check it out, research it, uh, connect with relevant people. Bellingham is a great place to nourish networks. And um, most executives I know, if you invite them out to coffee and say, I want to get to know about your business, they're willing to do it. I've heard there's a couple of coffee shops around Bellingham. Yeah, in order just to a few. <laughs> yes. Or beer. Uh, yes, should that be your drink of choice, yes. So if you're, if you're curious about something, I'd say go and check it out and come prepared with good questions and an open heart and... Um, so that's a big thing here in particular, nourishing networks. And we find it to be a big thing, like not just here, but you know, all over the place. So to nourish those networks and connect with people. Uh, also discovering you know, what you can do through that and or through the rest of life to, to discover that um, product market fit. So am I satisfying you know, the needs of the community? Am I asking the right questions? You know, am I aligned? And so... Uh, many of us that are, you know, 20 years into my career have had moments where we notice that we're, we don't have the right product market fit, right? We're not offering the solution that's needed. And so how might you have clarity around that and then realign if you need to? So speaking of uh, those years in the business world <laughs> for your career, um, I'd like you to think back to an incident or an event that may have happened while at the time was difficult to persevere through. But in hindsight, as you're looking at the review mirror at that event, helped shape who you are right now. Is there is there something that occurred that was horrible at the time that is actually, you know what, I'm stronger and I'm better as a result? Yeah, that's a great question. So It's I'll, a little in-depth, but yes, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. I'll go back to when I was sort of learning, learning about how to manage all of that. So with a partner, I had started out a web development and internet access company in the early 2000s. Uh -huh. uh, which After was, the dot-com uh, blow yeah, up? Yeah. yeah. So what we were finding, the reason that we started it, we were finding that people, um, so internet access was available for affluent people mm -hmm. in high-end neighborhoods that, you know, had the right phone lines, had the right computers, you know, there are all these disqualifiers. And yet um, schools in less affluent area didn't even have computers in them, right? So mm -hmm. kids had literally no access to the internet, but they had all these curiosities. And libraries are fantastic, and um, but they sort of needed more in interaction. And so um, we were... We moved to New York State, and New York State has a really good what's called reciprocal compensation at that point. So uh, phone carriers had to pay each other. And so essentially, if you used your computer, yes, it then was dial-up internet technology. I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> if you used your computer to um, dial in to a number, is what you used to do, therefore mm -hmm. dial up, the number that you were dialing into, you would get money back for that. So we said, well, how might we use uh, recycled computers and that money that has to be paid back to us from like Time Warner and other carriers uh, to start a free internet access company or heavily discounted internet access that offers 
free computers and satisfies the needs of our communities. We were able to do that, which was um, incredibly fun. So mm -hmm. everything was free uh, with very low amounts of money coming in, right? So uh, we had a couple of unfortunate things that happened at that point, one of which was that um, an employee ended up um, doing like micro refunds to their bank account Ouch. in the amount of like two cents to two dollars uh -huh. and because at that point credit cards you just would do you could do that right you could mm -hmm. manually refund small amounts and so we didn't pick up on it so that was a problem because we lost a lot of income which then meant like how do we deal with that mm -hmm. you know um so that was that was really damaging to like at that age i was like 20 have um an employee issue like that mm -hmm. right and i i learned through it a lot about how to create an more open culture that communicated much more frequently and openly because um, a number of our other staff members had known that this was happening and they were just worried about how to approach it. Um, mm -hmm. So I've, I learned a lot from that, like beyond that initial, like super strong wounding. Oh yeah. Um, and then the other thing that we learned right around that time, mm -hmm. I did not know in my extreme amount of naivete that uh, where the majority of web traffic was going at that uh, time. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's not quite uh, wikipedia.com, is it? It's yes. not quite. So I uh, learned that by having the FBI knock at our door and mm. say, hey, we have this um, suspicious traffic that we're really worried about. Turned out that that suspicious traffic was a uh, suspected child. Uh. And... So to, to be focused on a free and heavily discounted internet access for families and then to learn that a, some of the activity was nefarious mm -hmm. was very worrisome to us. And so we then, um, and shocking, right? Like I was Absolutely. so naive. Yep. Um, and so trying to figure out ways to secure against that and even just to respond to the FBI, like how do you submit those reports? How do you, like how, how do you manage that? And so um, learning about how to put more and better systems in place all around that, like at age 20 was mm -hmm. a really good learning. And so I think like even in, um, definitely my work at the firm and even in teaching entrepreneurship, it's like, how do you create scaffolding and structure that helps you to be sustainable mm -hmm. and um, available? And sure. so how, how do you notice when those things happened and how do you, how do you respond to those very shocking things? It sounds like you had quite a trial by fire early in your career. <laughs> it's all clear sailing now, 20 years later. Well, I, I'm happy that you're able to laugh about that now, yeah. at least, or you know, maybe laugh like, oh yeah, that root canal was a, a bit of a time. But anyway. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so in addition to, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you mentioned we had some discussions offline. Yeah. Um, you are a, you are involved in a blended family yeah. in which you have a, an emerging seventh grader. Yeah. I, I've already gone through this. And so I, I'm curious, you know, and, and our listeners have listened to me ad nauseum about technology and devices and stuff like that. Meg, what is your perspective about when is the right time for a phone? When is the right time for a device? Uh, and how do you approach that as a parent, uh, as co-executive director of uh, the family uh, <laughs> unit that you and your husband uh, have? Oh, I have no idea. You know, it's uh, it's making me laugh. We were, um, I was in a training last week that um, Chris, Chris was a significant part of, and I said, Chris, oh my gosh, I have no idea what to do about this phone thing. And how do I get my kid a pager? <laughs> yes, I uh, do recall you mentioning pager. And so we discussed that, but anyway, please continue. Um, you know, I think there's so 
so tough um, to consider at what point is the right tipping point and so individual based on kid. And I'm probably like overly cautious about all of this uh, and I don't quite know how to reconcile that. I think having observed a lot of kids um, early on in the internet and, and their activities, I am a very strong believer in um, the necessity of internet access for kids and had a really great time um, great time serving on the technology um, advisory group for the Bellingham Public School District and I'm a super strong proponent of one-to-one -one mm -hmm. and using technology for learning oh yes um, and we use it all the time at home for learning and we ask Alexa all sorts of questions and do a lot of discovery with that I think for me one of the challenges is discovering well what what do you want your child to do independent of home and independent of school mm -hmm. and uh, what does that mobile experience look like for them and in some ways I'm sort of haunted by it. I don't know if you've seen that photo shoot where uh, they remove the cell phones oh yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. it's it's a meme it's a meme yes, okay. as the kids call it yes <laughs> um, it, it, it's very uh, uh, jarring yeah super jarring uh, so if you haven't seen it what uh, what the experience is, is they've re removed phones from, you know, people are gazing at their phones and they remove the phones and everyone's like frowning and disengaged. And you're looking at all these photos of people, you know, sitting at a coffee shop or at dinner with one another or whatnot and they're looking at their phones. Mm -hmm. And so when, when we used to have the internet access and web development company for that first more than 10 years of the 2000s, uh, we were on call all the time. Right, so I'd get phone calls at two o'clock in the morning and whatever, whatever, whatever. And right around when I had my son, I just was, we'd finally hit a point where we'd outsource a call center, outsource some of the technology and had some scaling. And I just had this like extreme exhalation, like where I was like, oh, okay, I get to have a life. <laughs> and I just, I don't know, I carry with me like the FBI audit and that sense of relief over not having, um, not having to be on call all the time. Yeah. And then also just my own experience of how do I set up those boundaries for myself with a mobile device, and it's really hard. Mm -hmm. And so um, at some point, I'll get to the point of the kid having a mobile phone. Um, I'm just having a hard time with pulling that trigger because uh, it's, it's a big, I feel like it's a big trigger. It, it, it's okay, and, and if uh, Meg's uh, child is listening <laughs> right now, it will happen. <laughs> It may just not be on your timeline. That's right. Well, it's funny, too, because, uh, you know, teaching teaching at university level for almost 20 years now, too, um, often, well, my best students are not on their phones. Say that one more time, please. My best students are not on their phones. They show up to class, and if they're on their phone, they're immediately, like, sending a follow-up message through Teams or through Slack or through a messaging software. So they're still actively a part of the conversation. They're just, like, the introvert that's a note-taker. And so that does happen where the introvert that's a note-taker participates in the conversation through a digital device. But my best students are, you know, writing on paper or fully engaged with one another or up and moving, asking questions. They are not on digital devices. And I have not yet seen students, like having had thousands of students now, seen students who are digitally engaged in the classroom that are doing their best work. Unless it's like a digital thing, like let's go and build this website. Um, so I've seen that with my students, I've seen it with other professionals, that you just like, you just check out mm -hmm. when you're in front of a digital device or you less fully participate. And so all of that like 
awareness on those areas and not yet having like the skills to figure out how to navigate that. I just, I don't know. I'm, and and like our students, they often show up very early to class and they sit next to each other and they chat. And when we don't have that no cell phone rule, mm-hmm. we see that sometimes shut down. And like I mentioned earlier, I think like the most important thing for people to think about as they're looking to build their professional lives is like, who do I want to share my life with and how do I give back additively to them? And I think I think phones often take away from that now. I, I have point. a phone. I'm not a yeah. Luddite at all, but just like pushing for that continuous involvement with each other is. This is a tough, uh, this is a tough <laughs> concept for a lot of parents. Yeah. And, and my wife and I definitely had a lot of discussions about, you know, the, uh, the peer pressure involved yeah. with uh, everyone, uh, you know, so-and-so has a phone and so-and-so's parents let them have a phone yeah. and, and, and everything. And we could see how it's propagated into the realm of higher education, as you've mentioned. And so, um, Good luck yeah. <laughs> as, as you and your husband continue the discussions. We were laughing about it because we sort of calculated, because um, my son is so smart, sort of calculated out all the money we had spent at Christmas mm. on workaround devices to phones, right? Because yeah. we got this, uh, I can't even remember the name of it, but there was like, uh, there's a device that pulls in with Spotify for mobile listening. And okay. like, then we got a new Kindle and got a new, like, uh-huh. it was just like a myriad of things that are all solved by an iPhone. It sounds like you were about ready to lower your shoulder and go into this world, huh? Yeah, yeah. very so, cool. Well, let, let's lighten thoughts. let's lighten the topic a little bit for a little bit. Uh, I always ask uh, my interview uh, guests, Meg, uh, in Bellingham, uh, you have a whole lot of stuff going on. And when the time comes when you need to exhale, where in Whatcom County do you enjoy going to to recharge or just get some thought to or a time to process or contemplate? Oh, that's so kind of you. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> I love, um, I love walking or running at Lake Patton. I find that to be such a beautiful place. Um, likewise, love the waterfront uh, from Fairhaven to downtown and all around. So, I love like. Um, low barrier entries to how beautiful this place is. Um, I think that's great and love the hikes too, but uh, they're a big, a mm-hmm. big thing to compel oh, yeah. people into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, listeners of our show have realized that I'm not much of a hiker, but I love yeah. my wife, and so therefore I'll go on the hikes uh, and <laughs> hikes and stuff like that. <laughs> you but love that word. <laughs> walking and running is good for the integration, just to be able to process yeah. things. So, um, and also, you know, the we have hundreds if not thousands of places to get a bite oh yeah meg weber where is your favorite place to get a bite to eat (laughs) around this area oh there's so many um well my husband loves to cook and so i love bonus points i know we love we love grilling at home uh and have a lot of friends that also love to cook and so we do we do tend to eat at home more than i ever thought i would um and then Lots of wonderful restaurants in town. Uh, I love drinking wine and eating popcorn at the Pickford. I've been on the board of the Pickford. I yes. think I think wine and popcorn's a meal. Uh, many would agree <laughs> with you. Yes. They have some chocolate too uh, for the dessert. Yes. <laughs> um, That's three out of the four food groups. Three out of the four yeah, food groups. Very good. Uh, I love grabbing coffee at um, Woods and that new place Camber is really mm-hmm. interesting and fun. Um, Went to Rock and Rye with a girlfriend the other night. That was a really fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. And gosh, there there are just so many so many great places here. Um, I tend to be inclined to the places that have great cocktails followed by 
great food. So. All right. So where's your favorite place to grab a cocktail then? Uh, well, Rock and Rye was really great. Um, then uh, I like that new place. What is that? It could be. I think so. Yeah. There's a, is it's fairly new, I'd imagine. Yeah. You might have gotten on our yeah. radar yet, but yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, Scotty Rounds does a great job on the Bellinis. Okay. If you're up for a sugar rush, all the Bellini fans out there, take note. <laughs> Scotty Browns has your hookup. <laughs> Meg Weber, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. This was great. Uh, lots of information and continued success with all the work you're doing. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, Chris, that was a very enthusiastic interview. I'm going to have to edit and turn down in bits, but hey, that was great. Thanks, well, Meg. I use my outdoor voice in a couple of occasions as well. well I, yes. was, I wasn't talking about you. Oh, okay, I mean. fine. Well, <laughs> Meg has a great spirit, and I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. A lot of laughter, a lot of great information as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and for the parents out there, uh, you know, take notes. You're not the only one. Should you be uh, in the situation about what device to give your kiddos so that they can uh, enter in the world of online communications. Uh, both Meg and I have, are, you know, she's <laughs> about ready to go through it and I've gone through it. So yeah. uh, anyway, uh, thanks once again, Meg, for joining us and continued success with the Idea Institute at Western Washington University. We should probably stick a fork in this show and wrap it up. I think so. That wraps it up for this 122nd edition of the Bellingham Podcast. Thank you again so much for listening to us, rating us, reviewing us, wherever you love to get your podcasts. Remember, if you are in the Bellingham area, you might be tuning into us. Community-powered KMRE 102.3 FM. And even streaming online at KMRE.org. From the city by the Salish Sea, I am AJ Barce. And I'm Chris Powell. Thanks once again for joining us on the Bellingham Podcast. We totally got the, the <laughs> stiffer KMRE. I think we got our rhythm down now. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, write that down. Write that down. <laughs>